the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Good morning, Revival Life Church. Welcome to our Sunday morning service. Uh, I'm super, super thankful that we can do this. I'm thankful for everybody uh, who blessed us for our anniversary service last week. Man, that was such a good time. And I had just looking at all the testimonies, um, just interacting with everybody in the chat. Uh, super cool. A bunch of leaders came by my house uh, earlier last week and did a drive-by, well, I don't know what they called it, but a, a honk-by, a, a, a what's-up-by, uh, drove by my house honking, waving with signs on their cars, saying happy anniversary, uh, been, uh, you know, it just, that was just really, really blessed us. So we really appreciate it. Uh, had people bring by, uh, snacks, uh, and sweets, which I think I've already made clear that has become the newest hobby of mine during this lockdown is eating the sweets and the snacks. Uh, can you believe that this is seven weeks of us doing this? It's, it's, uh, it's hard to fathom. I had no idea it would go on this long. And just to kind of let you know, we have no idea how long it's going to continue. I know the state is lifting some things in some areas. Um, we know they're going to do a phased rollout. And uh, for some reason, they've been fixed, uh, fixated on bowling alleys. I have no idea why, but we're not a bowling alley. Uh, and I, I don't know when we're going to do it. We want to be safe in opening the church. We want to be careful. We don't want to be presumptuous. And we definitely want to keep the kids safe. We want to keep the older ones among us safe. And uh, just just act like I don't say this. Just hold on a second. Swana, can you start my timer? It's going to start on the, when my, my message series comes up. So we're good. Just act like I didn't say that, all right? It's just like we're in church, right? It's just like we're in church. So uh, we're in prayer for you uh, at Revival Life Church. We meet, uh, the leaders meet. Uh, we pray for everyone in the house, for your finances. We pray for your health. My wife and I pray for everyone in our church every night. Um, not by name, but we, we pray for the church as a whole uh, every night. Uh, and any prayer needs that we know about individually, we pray for them. And, um, you know, we're, we're praying for the children as well. Because our children's entire social structures have been upended in this season. And I think it's easy for us to overlook that and think that's not a big deal. But it's a super big deal. If you think about it, your kids get to be independent for several hours every day with their own social structure and it's been completely upended. They're in the house of their oppressors all day, every day, including at night. And so we need to keep them in mind uh, and keep them in prayer. Uh, we are continuing on our series, The Road to the Comforter. And uh, we're in that, that time between the resurrection and Pentecost, right here in the middle. Pentecost Sunday is at the beginning of next month. And, uh, and, and so here we are, we're continuing in our series. Um, and what we're doing is we're, we're discovering the gift of the Holy Spirit and his role as the comforter. We're taking a deep dive into who he is and the promise of Jesus that he would be a comforter. And I want to talk today about choosing surrender over control, choosing surrender over control. Now, we are in, we're in 
I'm going to pause one more time, but Solana can't get my countdown. I'm looking at the time now. We're good. I'm probably going to edit that out. You'll never see this in the live broadcast. All right. We'll just, we want to talk today about choosing surrender over control. Now, listen, in our lives, it's, it, it's so easy to want to be in, sur- in control all the time. We say things like, look, if you won't do it right, I'll do it myself. We, we want to be in control of everything. We want to have absolute control on every area of our life. We have specific areas that we have to have control over. It almost causes us pain to trust other people in these areas. And, and you, you may be like, oh, I'm not a controlling person. I, I'm not manipulative. I'm, I'm not one who likes to have to be right all the time. But if you would be honest with yourself, if you would look in your heart of hearts, we all have at least some areas and some of us, many areas of our lives that we need to have control. And, and this, is, this is somewhat antithetical to the life that God has called us to. We want to, we want to take a deep dive in that today. If we look at Proverbs chapter three, verse five, the writer says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord, he says. And, and, and for us in this day, in this hour, we have access to so much information and we, in any moment, at, and I don't know if this happens in your family, but I have a family, we're kind of debaters. We are pretty good at arguing in my family and uh, we have dinner together every night and uh, it's not uncommon for us to begin to argue about something and before someone else ends the sentence, hey Google, what is the definition of this? What year did that happen? What about that? We're Googling information to let other people know, like, I understand this. Like, we want to figure stuff out. We want to know. But, but the writer of Proverbs is telling us, trust in the Lord. Man, we love to know what's coming. We love to know what's happening. We love to be in control of the situation by just trying to get more information, trying to get more knowledge, trying to figure it all out. Causes us some dis-ease if we can't figure out what's happening. And the writer here says, don't lean on on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And that word acknowledge there, it's, it's, it's the Hebrew word yada. It means to know. It means to intimately know. It's was used in the garden for Adam and Eve. It's, it's, it's not just to recognize or to tip your hat or to give the old thumbs up and, and you know, what's up. It's, it's to deeply know him. And he links this knowing God to trusting God. We're to know him. And I found the more that we try to control situations, the more we need to control situations. The more we exhibit control, the tighter we try to control things. And when we're not able to get things to work out the way we want them to, we can kind of spiral out of control. And in this season of not knowing what's going on, I know this has affected some people's mental health. I I know 
many people, if, if, if this has happened to you, you need to know you're not alone in this struggle. You're not alone in wanting to have control. In fact, the Bible is filled with stories about people who tried to control the situation around them, tried to control the circumstances, and in fact, tried to control God. The writer in Proverbs tells us, don't try to figure it out. Don't try to understand everything. Just know God and he will make your paths straight. This is the promise that we have from Holy Spirit in this season. Now, as, 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 as we're praying through this season, as we're looking at the sickness and we're looking at coronavirus and we're looking at the economy kind of spiraling, you know, time and again, people didn't understand what Jesus was doing and they tried to control him. And, and so if you're feeling like you're trying to control this situation and you feel a little uneasy because you can't, you're not alone. In, in, in John chapter 11, we hear this story about Lazarus. Now, Lazarus was, uh, we, we know about three siblings. Lazarus was the brother. Mary and Martha were sisters and they had a brother named Lazarus. And the Bible tells us that, you know, they argued at one point, Mary and Martha, you know their story. You know that uh, Mary had, Mary Magdalene had bathed Jesus' feet. She had actually, the word says, had anointed him with oil, washed his feet with her hair. These people knew Jesus. They knew him well. And they called for him because their brother Lazarus was sick. Now, we know that Jesus loved Lazarus. And many theologians believe that Lazarus was Jesus' best friend. And he was sick. And so the sisters called for Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, Lazarus is sick. And Jesus sent back a super powerful prophetic word. He says in John chapter 11, verse 4, it says, Jesus heard that Lazarus is sick. And he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. The sickness is not unto death, but this sickness is to glorify God. And so when Jesus found out about this, he was in no rush, as Jesus never really seemed to be in a rush ever. And it feels like in my life sometimes, when I was in a rush for Jesus to show up, he didn't seem to be in a rush. I don't know if that's happened to you. I imagine it has, though. It feels like Jesus is slow to show up on the scene at times, but he's not in a rush. And so Jesus, this, in one of the, this is like the, one of my favorite scriptures because it's so funny. This is like, to me, one of the funniest scriptures in the Bible. Watch this. So Jesus turns to his disciples and says, hey, let's go to Judea so we can heal Lazarus. And so the disciples say like, whoa, whoa, whoa go to Judea, like they want to kill you in Judea. Like that's where the people want to murder you are. They want to beat you with stones until you're dead. And Jesus is like, nah, nah, it's all good. Let's go to Judea. And so Thomas, who they call the twin uh, or Didymus, uh, he says to them, this, I love this. He's like, okay, Lazarus is dead. He says in John eleven sixteen, 16, well, why don't we all go so that we may die with him? Like, yeah, let's just all go and die. Like that, that's where Thomas's faith was at. Not only is Lazarus going to be dead, Jesus is going to die. We're all going to die. Like this is, have you ever felt that way in the coronavirus? Like we're all going to die. Like th this is where your mind can go 
if you don't put your trust in God. This is what we can think. And you don't feel you're not alone if you felt that way. So time goes on and Lazarus, as you know, the story dies Uh, and he's dead. And Mary goes out to Jesus to rebuke him. And she says to him, like, I I believe that Mary was probably Italian and and she was probably Catholic because she sounds like my nonny who's also named Mary, and she sounds like someone who would even try to guilt Jesus. That, that's the Italian family I come from. And so she says, if you would have shown up, he wouldn't have died. Now, I don't know if that rings true from your childhood at all. If only you didn't do this, then this calamity wouldn't have happened. This is the voice of condemnation. Condemnation doesn't work with Jesus, right? And Jesus doesn't pay her any mind, right? Then Martha, a little later, comes up to him. Because Jesus goes to where Lazarus' tomb is. He says, hey, let me know where the tomb is. And he goes there and, and Martha's like, Psh. like, he's so dead now, he probably stinks. What are you talking about? Roll away the stone. Like, they're just trying to heap it on as if Jesus doesn't know the state of things, right? And so she's like, he's going to stink from rot. Now, now watch this. John chapter 11, verse 38. It says, so Jesus, again, deeply moved within, came to the tomb Now, it was a cave and the stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Did I not say if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Of God. Now, Jesus, way back in the beginning of the story, gave her a prophetic promise that this death was not permanent. That he's going to come back again. But Mary and Martha, they, 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 had, a no, they, had, they had a hard time holding on to that promise. Lazarus, of course, had no ability to hold on to the promise. He was dead. And Jesus raised him. Here, here's what I want you to know. Just because you struggle with faith, just because it's kind of wavered in this season... Maybe at times your faith has even been dead. Jesus, his faith is not wavering. His, way, his faith is still strong. His word is still true in your life. Now, last, word, last week, we talked about the memorial stones in our lives, about how we need to collect these memorial stones from the testimony of Jesus in our lives in times past. We talked about how the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And we have to collect these testimonies of what God has done in our lives. You remember we said, if you're curious about what God is going to do, remember what he's done. We have to remind ourselves, like, this is the God who raises the dead. This is the God who heals the sick. This is the God who mightily delivers. And this is the God who said, get your memorial stone while you're in the middle of the river. Sometimes we collect the stone before we get in the water and we're all filled with faith. And then we see the towers of water on either side of us and we drop that testimony stone. And sometimes we're waiting till we get to the other side of the river to pick up that testimony. Well, I'll be happy when this happens or I'll praise God when he comes through. And Jesus is saying, hey, do it right now in the middle. Right, right now in this season, here we are between Easter and Pentecost, between the resurrection and the sending of the Spirit. Here we are. We have sins forgiven, but we haven't been filled. 
And Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to remember what I've done because I keep my word. And we, we, can, we, can, we can wonder, where are we going? Where's God in this season? Where, where are we going in this season? What's, what's happening in this season? And here's the big question we can ask ourselves in this season. Where's God? Why didn't he warn us? What can we do about this? We've got a worldwide pandemic and what's, what's happening? And, you know, we're a Pentecostal church and uh, I've been praying. I've been in prayer and I've been considering these questions. And it turns out God, he was absolutely speaking to us about this season. Let me explain. I was talking to God. I was talking to him about the prophetic words that have come out that were all false. All the big name prophets who've gotten it absolutely wrong. And I said to him, Lord, why, why, didn't you, why didn't you warn us? Why didn't you tell anyone? And I'm just going to share with you my personal relationship with Jesus. I said, why didn't you tell us? And he said, I said, why didn't you tell anyone? He said, I told you. So what are you talking about? You told me. I didn't hear anything about coronavirus. I didn't hear anything about COVID-19. Then he began to talk to me. He began to talk to me about, remember last year when I started sharing with this house about the addiction to certainty. Remember when I began talking to you about your need to feel in control. Remember when I began talking to your house about you can't put your faith in the economy. You can't put your faith in money. You, you, you cannot put your faith in the American dream. You have to trust God no matter what happens. This is the God of the Bible. If we just said COVID-19 or coronavirus and all of a sudden we think that the enemy is a virus from China when really the enemy is that our faith is in our stuff. The real enemy is that our faith hasn't been in Jesus. It's been in our ability to control our circumstances. In other words, in this season, we need to get ready to surrender. This is what he was telling us. Get ready in 2020 to surrender. Because there are going to be some circumstances you can't control. And if you need control, it's going to be a bad season. Now, we can focus on the beautiful things in this world. We can focus on our ability to provide for our family and our beautiful houses. We're so blessed to live in South Florida. Man, there's people who are going through coronavirus and blizzards, right? Like we're here in Boca, in South Florida, suffering for Jesus, right? In this amazing area. And I know people that are shoveling their driveways trying not to get coronavirus, like blessed and highly favored. You know what I mean? And we can focus on how beautiful it is here. But the beauty of this world, we should only focus on that to the extent that these things in our lives, our success, the cars, the money, only to the extent that they point to the beauty of our creator. We have to see what we're able to amass, what we're able to create, really just glorifies not what we can control, but the beauty of our creator. We need to turn from meditating on the struggle that we're in in this crazy season to the struggle Christ went through for us. We need to kind of reframe what's happening around us. Don't, don't turn to pop psychology. Don't turn inward in this season to see what we're made of or 
to find a new inner strength, as they like to say. If you're going to turn inward, find the Spirit of God that empowers you to cry out, Abba, Father. This is what we need to be turning to in this season. There were a lot of prophetic words that came that weren't from God, but this is a great exercise. Like, how do we process prophetic words? And if I could get any lesson out of this season, we know a real prophetic word comes if it calls me to carry my cross, to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile, to remember the poor, to remember the infirm, to serve the elderly. If a prophetic word doesn't challenge us to live the Sermon on the Mount, to be concerned about the things that Christ was concerned about, it's not a prophetic word at all. No, friend, we need to be concerned about people. This is what, if there's any lesson in all this, is that people matter. Jesus died for people. He didn't didn't die for anything else. He died for people. And, And as we turn from what we think we need in our lives and the things we need to control, and we turn towards who Jesus is and what he did for us, then we begin to encounter the true living Jesus. Then we start to receive the promise of the comforter. Real peace comes from surrendering to Jesus. That's the only place we can get real peace. And we can try to control everything around us. We can try to think that we need to absolutely know everything that's happening. None of that brings peace. You can never earn enough. We can never achieve enough. We, we can never conquer enough. We can never have enough power. Jesus knew real peace comes from surrender. This, this is what God was telling this house. Something is coming. And if you need to have control, you won't have peace. Don't worship the economy. Don't worship your life being predictable. This is what Jesus was telling us. I hope that we have heeded that call. N.T. Wright, the illustrious Christian author, professor, he wrote an article in Time magazine and he, about this coronavirus season. He said, in essence, stop looking for answers and learn to lament. Learn to just grieve what's happening to the people around us. Partially, as, as Pentecostals, we, we almost devalue the ability to be sad for someone. We don't know how to be sad in a healthy way. It's either I have complete control or I'm a failure. Either I'm able to rebuke this sickness or I don't have any power. We need to learn how to grieve our past. We need to be able to grieve for loved ones. We need to just be able to be sad for our country and our fellow Americans. As of this service, I think over 60,000 have now passed away in the United States alone. Over a million people have tested positive for the coronavirus. It's worthy to lament over these things. We don't want to be depressed, but it's altogether fitting to allow ourselves to be sad because we have a comforter. We have a comforter who understands our struggle.
We have a God who knows what it's like to suffer. This is not some God who was served his entire life and never had to go through anything. We have a God who knows what it means to suffer and invited us into his suffering. And he invited us into his conquer. There's both. But if you're like me at all, we can kind of hate to surrender. We, we, we believe it. We, we kind of share it. We love it when people talk about it, but not necessarily for us in things that we don't want to surrender. We love Jesus in the garden saying, not my will, but your will be done. But we hate the surrender and the pressing in the garden that brought it. As Pentecostals, we love the blood of Jesus. We love to claim the blood of Jesus. But for some reason, we hate the bloody Jesus on the cross. It's that cross that brought us this blood we love to talk about. We love the resurrection, man. We're people of the third day. We celebrate it. We claim it. We live in it. Our Protestant cross doesn't have a body on it anymore because he's resurrected, but we hate the death and the burial that necessitates a resurrection. Friend, we have to embrace both. We have to embrace both sides of this Christianity, the conquering and the suffering. Now, I'm not preaching that we need to love to suffer, or even want to suffer, or even are happy about suffering. I neither want to say that as a Christian, we'll never have to suffer. It's just not in the word. And if you somehow were lied to that your faith isn't real unless you never suffer, I'm sorry someone lied to you. I'm sorry you've been tricked. and I'm sorry that you feel like you've come up short. If you're like me and you need a God who can overcome for you, if you need a God who sends his spirit to empower you, if you need a savior to pull you out of the pit, man, you're in good company. Because that's the only way to overcome. It's either by him or it's nothing at all. Jesus told those sisters, he's like, man, I know this was hard for you to understand. But in verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Paul understood this, of course, because Paul suffered with Christ. All throughout Paul's writings, he talks about the sufferings he entered into. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. He says, and I like the contemporary English version. He says, we share in the terrible sufferings of Christ, but also in the wonderful comfort he gives. We get both. And if you shortchange one, you're probably going to shortchange the other. But this comfort, Paul goes on to say, that we receive, we're happy to suffer so that we can give this comfort away to others. Friend, if we have a bad theology that says that we never suffer, then it's really easy for us to judge other people who are suffering. And sometimes the greatest trials in our life brings the fruit of 
compassion for other people. I'm not developing a theology that says that Jesus is sending coronavirus, that he's sending sickness, or that he's sending suffering. Jesus died on the cross to conquer death. But the truth is that there is suffering and there is sickness in this world. And I don't believe that Jesus allows it just to produce something. I think instead that Jesus inhabits our suffering. When we're in suffering, we're filled with his spirit that we may receive a comfort that overshadows the suffering. It's a fullness of God that we experience almost no other way. Here, here's what I found. In, <clears throat> I've been praying for a while, been saved for a little bit now, and uh, done a lot of praying. And I have found that we don't learn a lot by telling God what we want to have happen. We learn by going to God with an open hand. Lord, here I come with my worries, with my fears, with my troubles, with my sickness, with my excitement, with the things that I love, that the things that I'm thankful for, the things I'm believing in the future, and the things I remember about the past. I'm bringing it all to you, God, and I have an open hand. Take whatever you want and place whatever burden you want. If it's to bear someone else's burden, I'll do that. If it's to meet someone else's financial need, I'll do that. If it's to co-labor in someone's suffering, I'll do that. If it's to press in until I get the anointing to heal the sick, I'll do that. We have to have an open hand. This, this is how we learn from God. And this is what we learn from going to God with these things. Pain and suffering do not have the final say over human existence. There is still death. There is still sickness. But Jesus has conquered both. And in the end, we will spend eternity with him. Here's how Paul put it again in Romans 8. I am convinced neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present or things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Listen, friend, the bottom line is this. We're terrified. The world is terrified of death. The world would do almost anything to keep it off. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to die. And I definitely don't want to suffer and die. I don't want to get coronavirus. I don't want to get mild coronavirus. I don't, I, I, I would prefer just to stay healthy. But the promise is that Jesus Christ has conquered death. And the worst thing any of these things can do to me is send me to heaven. That's it. You don't need to protect yourself. Now, hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't wear a mask. I'm not saying not social distance. Don't, don't listen to people who have some sort of coronavirus faith test. It's nonsense. The Bible is filled in the Old Covenant with teachings about handling pandemics, about handling uh, these sicknesses that go throughout the land, how to 
wash your hands and how to quarantine people with transmittable diseases. That's wisdom. The law in the old covenant equaled life. And if it went against life for the people of God, it wasn't part of God's plan and his instruction for them on how to live. No. Do what you need to do to stay healthy and safe in this season. But you don't need to control everything to protect your life. You actually have a Savior who has a job of doing that. Surrender to God and receive the gift of the Comforter. Surrender today and Jesus will send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. I feel like today, Jesus is reminding some of us, didn't I say? Like he told Mary and Martha, didn't I say that this wouldn't be in the death? Didn't I say just to believe? Didn't I say to you that I would get you through the season? Didn't I say I'd be faithful in your finances? Didn't I say that I would bring a godly mate? Didn't I say that you don't need to control everything around you? Didn't I say I'd put you in community? Didn't I say I'd redeem your call? Didn't I say today, I feel like some of us just need to surrender and receive the gift of the comforter. Now, for some of us, it's going to be the first time you've ever surrendered to Jesus. We call that salvation. It literally says, I give up my life and I give it to you, God. Do whatever you want with it. Then I receive your gift, your life in my place. And For others of us, I believe that today we need to surrender our desperate need to control and receive the peace that comes from the Spirit of God. So let's all pray this together, everybody in the room here and everybody, wherever you're at today, just everybody, let's pray this out loud together. Let's say, Lord Jesus. Let's say it again. Lord Jesus, I surrender. You are God. And I'm not. I receive your gift of salvation today. Wow. I lay my life at your feet. Give me new life today. I turn from my control. And I turn toward you. Wow. 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 Send your spirit. Fill me with power. Wow. I trust you to lead me. I trust you for life. I'm yours. Wow. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, go ahead and text RLC join to 97,000. We have some amazing things we'd like to get in touch with you about. Also, if, uh, if, that's your first time joining us today. If you would do the same thing, if you would just text RLC join to 97,000, we'll send you a text back and let us know, hey, I'm new here. I'd love to just connect a little bit. And uh, if you're not in a prayer group yet, you definitely need to join one. We need community. We need life on life so we can live this thing together. I'm so excited what God is doing in this season. And I'm really trusting that as we surrender to him, he's going to come and give us a peace that we haven't known. And he's going to give us a comfort that we desperately need in this season. Let's all gather around the table now and let's just share the elements as we worship Jesus. You ready, love? I am. Excellent.
So here's what happens. Sometimes I, uh, I preach and then my mouth gets so dry. I go to receive the table of the Lord. I eat a cracker and I'm almost choking on it. Right. So I'm like. Drink some water. I'll drink some water. Mm-hmm. You know, I get dehydrated. Hydro homies, right? Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 26, says, While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after, wow, feel the presence of God, honey. Hallelujah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it. Wow. We just blessed each other, right? He broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, wow, take, toma, eat this is my body. Receive the body of the Lord. Hallelujah. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Receive, wow, receive the cup of the Lord. Wow. 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 Father, I pray that you would bless all those watching today. You would empower them to share this comforter with the people around them. They would share this love that you've poured out for us. You would share this life that you laid down for us. We pray that you would move mightily in their lives. You'd move in their finances. You'd move in their health. You'd move in their families. That you would keep them and protect them, Lord. We mourn today with everybody who mourns and we rejoice with all those who rejoice. We love you and celebrate you today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen, amen. amen. Hey, we love you. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we will see you in our prayer group. See you Friday night, next Friday for Burning Room. We love you. God bless you.